Bukile Property Fund has upped its interim dividend. A payout of 47 cents per share has been declared. That reflects growth of close to 17%. The reward for shareholders comes as the group hosted a 6.6% rise in net asset value. Now, the company says this was achieved due to a positive performance in net property income and favorable exposure to a weaker rand. Bukile, which owns malls in South Africa and Spain, expects tenants' demand to remain strong in the second half and says while the operational and financial financial state of the company is strong, it, it needs to remain cautious of the challenging macroeconomic environment. Nevertheless, the group has kept its guidance for the full year unchanged, with dividends seen increasing between 5 and 7%. Well, company CEO Lawrence Rapp joins us with his analysis of this performance. Lawrence, good afternoon. Thank you so much for your time. Afternoon. How are you now, Wonderful. Thank you so much for being with us today. All right, so Lawrence, let's talk about this performance. It is uh, talk about, talking about a post-COVID Vukile um, and how you're, um, as leading, a person leading this business, how you feel about um, the numbers that you've managed to put out today. Sure. Look, we really are delighted with this uh, set of results that we put out. Um, I think it showed the, uh, the very strong recovery of the business post-COVID, uh, both here and in Spain. And uh, really, you know, these are results that I would be ecstatic to put out in a great market macro environment. Uh, the truth is, when you look at the operating environment and how difficult it is, I think it really um, highlights the strength of these numbers of how defensive our portfolio is. Uh, so in short, we really are delighted with uh, the numbers we've produced for the first six months. Yeah, um, part of the announcement, um, Lawrence, there is really a reference to how you've managed your debt. You refer to some debt hedging. Let's talk about that in this high interest interest rate environment, how you've managed just to um, keep your debt at bay, specifically in Spain. Sure. I think there really are, are, are two key metrics that we can manage. Um, the one is what our debt expiry profile looks like. And the second is the interest rate hedging percentage that we have in place. So we have got a very long expiry profile in Spain. We, we don't have to refinance any debt for the next four years. Um, so where you're in a market environment at the moment where the availability of debt has maybe uh, diminished a little bit, um, that's not a risk or a problem that we have in the business because uh, our funding is in place and uh, there's no need to refinance. Obviously, the other part of it is what is that cost of, of your debt? Now, obviously, we've come off historic lows of, uh, of interest rate um, in, in Europe and elsewhere in the world, um, we're sitting with about 96% of our debt hedged in, in Spain, okay. which means that we've got a very low risk of, of high interest rates impacting our earnings in the next number of years. So really, I think we're in a very strong position in terms of our overall balance sheet position. All of our debt metrics are comfortably within uh, covenant levels. But the most important part is that we are defensively positioned in a rising interest rate cycle with such a high level of uh, hedging in the business. So really, I think what we can manage, we have managed well, and that puts us in a very defensive position um, at this stage in the market. All right, let's also talk about energy. Um, in Spain and in South Africa, that's one thing that probably um, would have strained your operations. Let's talk about how um, you're managing that. And if you're finding that retailers um, are also, you know, applying pressure in terms of what you can do for them during this time. So let's deal the easy market first, and that's Spain. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Spain doesn't have the same energy challenges that we have in, in South Africa. Um, I think there, you know, whilst there have been some rising prices, it's a far more competitive market. Um, we are able to source energy from multiple uh, suppliers. 
And, um, you know, it really is almost a non-event in the Spanish market. Um, we are starting to put in some of our own PV into our shopping centers. But at the moment, all the energy that we procure in the shopping centers is, in fact, green energy uh, provided by a third-party provider. And we're now starting to look at providing our own energy in that market. South Africa obviously has got very different challenges with load shedding and so on. But we were one of the early adopters of uh, PV in the sector. So we've been using solar for quite some time now. Uh, we already have about 12.7 megawatts installed in our portfolio. There'll be another 3.7 added in this year. And um, it really is an ongoing commitment. So by 2026, we will have doubled our PV capacity. Um, and that will mean that about 80% of our portfolio by value will have its own energy generation uh, capability. What we are seeing more and more is that tenants are looking for us to provide landlord-driven solutions. So in other words, you know, if a tenant is able to put in their own generator or their own solution, but their tenant, their neighbor next door doesn't, that doesn't create for a good trading environment. And I think really it's going to start becoming our responsibility, as it already has been, as we already have been providing, to continue providing the energy solution at a shopping center level. Mm. And in our markets, remember, because of, of where we operate, it then means that your shopping center is one of the only properties in the area that has got electricity. So you tend to actually, ironically, drive more footfall to the mall at that period. So we've seen that, for example, in the month of September, where there was very high uh, levels of load shedding. Our footfall actually increased significantly because we were able to provide a safer environment for our, our shoppers. Um, and they came into the mall. So it is an area that we are looking at more and more. Uh, PV is something that, as I said, is firmly on the agenda. We're now starting to look at uh, backup battery solutions. And uh, we'll probably be piloting one of our shopping centers in Puri Chaba in the next, uh, the next period, um, where we are going to be having sort of an integrated solution of solar, battery, and generator to make sure that the lights are always on and that our tenants and shoppers get the best experience. And we are seeing that tenants are going to be prepared to pay for that because they realize that they get the benefit mm. of having more footfall, greater sales, because we become the only area, in a sense, the beacon of light in the, uh, in the areas that we trade in. Yeah, it sounds like a solid plan there, um, Lawrence. You also speak about foot traffic. I'm keen to find out how you've managed to use data science and business intelligence um, to really uh, work your foot traffic. I read in one of the statements that's something that you've done. I found it very interesting. Sure. So we really have, have two sources of, uh, of data. We have what, what's called in-mall data, um, where we offer uh, free data to our customers to, to sign up. Um, we've got about 11 million register, registrations on that system already. And that allows us to interact with our customers to know when they're in the malls, who they are, what their preferences are, um, you know, where they live. Uh, gender, distance from the mall, all sort of key demographic data that we would need to be able to interact with them. We also have another software uh, tool, which is proprietary to Akile, um, which is tracking the movement of people on an anonymized basis around the mall. So we don't know who's moving, but we know the movement of people. What that allows us to do is identify trends of shoppers, both within an area and within our mall. And it's using that to drive appropriate marketing campaigns, to drive spend, to drive footfall. And that is how we're able to do it. It also allows us to understand shopper preferences. Mm. And that then helps our tenant strategies. So in other words, we can track um, where people move from our malls. Where do they come from? Where do they go to? Mm. 
once you know where they go to, if they're going to another mall, we can understand that tenant mix and find out if there are any tenants perhaps in the competitor mall that we don't have. And that then allows us to change our tenant mix to meet the customer demand. So it's something that really has become second nature to our asset managers. Um, it's uh, part of our system, part of the way we do business. And I think we're seeing the benefit of that. When you look at our footfall numbers, you look at our sales numbers, we certainly are engaging very well with our tenants and our customers. And we're seeing them uh, you know, shopping in our centers. Uh, rent to sales ratios are very low. Trading densities continue to grow. So I think we're seeing the benefits of all of that investment in technology. Yeah, I think that's very interesting, um, Lawrence. When I read about it, I was really fascinated by just the ability um, to track that. Let's also talk about operating in townships. I wondered if this was a, a different pressure point um, for you or if there was even a competitive advantage of being um, in certain locations that your competitors might not be in. Well, I think, you know, Bukile was one of the, the, the early movers into the uh, township and rural markets. Um, I think we understood early on that that sort of is sort of a very, very strong area of the market to be in, um, driven by sheer volume of people and obviously very different shopper dynamics <clears throat> from what one might experience in, in, in the urban areas and metropolitan areas. Um, and both provide good opportunities. It's a question of how one understands the, those particular needs. So I think what we have got is we've built a very good track record in understanding how to trade, how to retail in those uh, areas of the market. Um, and those are skills that are then transportable from, for example, Dobsonville to Gugulete. And that's allowed us to expand in that area. I think you also build very deep relationships with your tenants um, in that area. So we become known as one of the specialists in township and rural. And I think as our tenants are then looking to expand their businesses, we become a natural home for them to expand their businesses because they know and have that relationship with us. And I think coming back to your previous question on, um, on data and understanding the customers, our ability to share that data with our tenants also places us very much in a partnership relationship with our tenants. And that is why I believe our vacancies have dropped as low as they have and why I think they're going to continue to drop because we really are seen as a preferred landlord with a very strong portfolio in all the right areas of township and rural markets. Oh, very interesting there. Then, um, before I let you go, Lawrence, let's just talk about the outlook now. Um, we are speaking about a global recession in 2023. Um, in South Africa, we can already see that consumers are really strained. Um, what are you uh, anticipating um, for the remainder of this period? And then also just looking ahead. Sure. Look, I think, you know, it's, it's a difficult set of results to synthesize because the operating results are exceptionally strong. As I started off, you know, these are really, really, uh, you know, market-leading results. Anecdotal evidence post the September half year has been that that has continued. Um, and our tenants are trading very well both in South Africa and in Spain. So we feel that, you know, at an operating level, the business is in a great position. Uh, financially, the balance sheet is really strong. We know where we're going strategically. And um, all things really are very positive. Our only cause for concern is the macro environment, which, as you said, is weakening. Um, we are worried about a recession. So therefore, you know, we feel that we're in a very strong position to navigate through whatever sort of choppy waters may be ahead. The business goes into this environment in a very strong position of a very solid footing. And um, of that basis, we're very happy to you know, reaffirm our guidance for the year of growth in uh, dividends of between 5 and 7% for the year. And, um, you know, we believe we can continue that kind of growth going forward, um, you know, in, in the next few years. So I think we have to be cautious. We have to be mindful of what the broader macro environment is. 
We have to manage what we can. We do that with the balance sheet, as we spoke about a bit earlier. But uh, really, the business is on a very, very solid footing going into this period and would expect to sort of uh, continue performing at these levels given the strength of our assets. They are very defensive. And uh, I believe that that provides a very good environment for our tenants to remain in, even though the markets are going to be uh, quite difficult going forward. I think Vukile will weather the storm very well. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time, Lawrence. Great catching up with you. That was Vukile Property Fund CEO, Lawrence Rapp.